358 for February 2015, and that is a song called Satellites by the band Guster. Look them up on uh, YouTube. That's where I found it. I like that song. It ties into Spider Satellites quite nicely. All right, gang, before we get to the Spider Satellites and nearly uh, 19, 18, 19 reviews coming up in this one. Man, it's a big episode. But uh, I'd like to ask for your support. Uh, log on to our front page at SpidermanCrawlspace.com. Look on the right-hand side. Uh, scroll down just a little bit, and you'll see a button that says Support This Site via PayPal. And you can ensure more episodes come out in the future by helping us pay the bill uh, for our bandwidth costs, etc. It takes a lot of uh, bandwidth to host 358 episodes up on the server. So I'd appreciate your support. It'll take you to PayPal, and you can drop a... a $3.99. A lot of people lately have been dropping in uh, the cost of a comic book a month to support this podcast on the website. So I'd appreciate that. All right, gang, on with the show. Hey, Crawl Spacers. I hope you're ready for a lot, a lot of reviews of Spider Satellite books. Uh, is that snoring? What the hell was that? That was, my, <laughs> that was me just going. Because <laughs> I know what we're getting in for. We, we have eight. Teen books to review in this. And how we're getting through it, cross your fingers, grab some Mountain Dew, because this is going to be a long one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Zach on the line. Zach, thank you for helping us review Spider Satellites. Yeah, yeah, I am uh, very happy to be here. And uh, remember, go to spider-dew.com because reasons. Okay. <laughs> and we brought in – Ashley couldn't be with us on this recording. She had to work, so we brought in Mike to help us tackle, again, 18 books. Thank you, Mike, for stepping up. You're welcome, although I'm probably going to regret it by morning. <laughs> so, George, we have help. Usually just you and me, but now Zach is a regular, Ashley's a regular, but uh, uh, with night, 18 books, you need help. I just want to effing sleep. <laughs> okay. Boy, you guys sell it, all right? Uh, <laughs> My wife is going to kill me. You telling. guys, listeners are like, oh, this ought to sound good. They all don't want to be here. Uh, <laughs> no, we'll make it funny. It's well, going to be entertaining. Well, It'll be entertaining. Considering the, some of the stuff I had to read for this thing, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe, well, one's exactly. not too bad, but. Uh, let's start with one of the best books consistently each month. Zach, you've got this, Miles Morales, Ultimate Spider-Man, number seven and eight. We're going to start off with. Okay, ahead, number seven. It's uh, written by Bendis, art by uh, Marquez. And uh, this is essentially picking up where last issue left off. You're Mary Jane's house, and the Green Goblin is attacking Mary Jane, and um, Peter Parker, not clone, Peter Parker... Whatever he is, um, is 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 not dead. He's back back to back to life, as is Norman Osborn. Both seemingly died during the death of Spider-Man storyline. Um, Miles is uh, basically it's a giant. Uh, there's really two things that happen in this issue. One, Miles and Peter fight the Green Goblin and eventually defeat the Green Goblin. That's pretty much three quarters of the issue. The other part of the issue is Miles's girlfriend. Um, Miles had revealed his identity to his girlfriend, and we find out that her parents are, um, well, they're they're part of Hydra. 
uh, Ain't that a bitch? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we find out at the end of the issue that uh, she likes to hail Hydra, like um, like everybody in the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe like these a, days. Like a fat kid loves cake. Yeah. yeah so so <laughs> you get the punch in the gut that hey, um, she doesn't really, she can't really be with my, and that's part of the reason she freaked out when Miles told her. So we get that explanation. Um, and I, like I say, I'm trying to keep this as short as possible because we got so many. Books You're failing. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not. He's doing a good job. Um, but I mean, that's pretty much the book. I'm going to tell you right now. It is. It was probably uh, there's a moment where Peter gives the web shooters, and there's kind of that passing of the mantle, as well as him giving the blessing. Now, another important development that I didn't that didn't have was Mary Jane and and Peter, who is not dead actually, I guess, take Mary Jane's car and leave town together. So they actually get a happy ending um, so far. So we'll, we'll see what happens. So there's until a, the universe collapses. Yeah, until the universe collapses. And <laughs> until Secret Wars. <laughs> until Secret Wars, yeah. So right. <laughs> let's, let's do some pros and cons and a grade on that one. Um, pros? I, you know, look, the artwork is consistently good. The, uh, the writing... For what little there is, I mean, there's not a whole lot of meat to this issue in any of Finnis's books. Um, the writing is good. Uh, I, the, the artwork is dynamic. It, it's got a lot of good, solid moments in it. I, I can't give this anything lower than an A because it just really is an enjoyable book. The, my only con is we still have to put up with the freaking Hulk Goblin. Uh, yeah. um, he's consistently not been one of my favorite things of the Spider-Man Ultimate Universe. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. So, yeah. A, A out of me. All right, you got another one. Yes, ASM, or ASM. <laughs> Not ASM, U- Zach. USM, USM. I guess. Well, uh, <laughs> MMUSM. Um, <laughs> uh, so, this, uh, the end of last issue, Miles' dad shows up, and I forgot to mention that, but it leads directly into this issue. This issue is basically completely and utterly a flashback issue. Miles' yeah. dad is um, – he's been a mysterious guy, and he did some things that he's not proud of. We get – we, devo- we um, go into his past, and that's what this entire issue is about. From the opening scene all the way to the end, it's, it's pretty much him explaining, hey, I was you know, a bad guy. I got thrown in jail, got mixed up with my brother, ended up – you know, getting bailed out by Nick Fury. Nick Fury basically says, "Hey, you help me out, brother. Cool, great." They help. Uh, he helps out Nick Fury by becoming a part of the Kingpin's mob. He fed information to Nick Fury. Nick Fury gets uh, busts in when uh, uh, the, the Kingpin's trying to get a mutant growth hormone, basically MGH, the ultimate version of that, uh, to supply to his uh, for drugs and. That's pretty much it. That's that's the issue. Uh, okay. This is going to get a a B minus. Um, it's definitely part of a cog of a story. Again, Bendis's pacing is always really slow. It's a very quick read. Artwork is actually really cool because he he takes a different uh, style yeah. and a different approach with it. Um, Marquez does a really good job differentiating between the present day and the past. I thought it was cool they went into Club 2099. I thought that was I, Yeah, I was going to mention that. That's actually one of my, yeah. one of my pros. Um, I, I like the little touches. I like the storytelling. And I think that consistently, month in, month out, 
it really has been a joy to read. And Miles Morales has certainly proven that he's worth um, all the hoopla that, that's around right. him. This was actually I, I, I like this issue the least of all the Miles Morales issues. I mean, mainly because right. Miles was in it that much. But I, I would would you give it a B? Is that what you said? I gave it a B. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you on that. Most of them are usually A's, but right. I thought this was just a little off. So, all right, we've got uh, Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number One came out by Steve uh, Ditko and Stan Lee. Mike, you've got this one. <laughs> so, no, not wait, quite. not quite. I'm so sorry. Not I'm quite. so sorry. Um, actually, this was actually the new Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number One because oh, thanks part of the Marvel relaunch, which. Um, I thought we were going to do on the review podcasting, but oh well. Anyway, anyway, you know, you know, you know why we didn't? Because nothing. Spider-Man didn't get married in this annual. No. <laughs> At the end of the day, did anything really happen in this annual? Well, I mean, it was an okay, well, it was okay story, but it wasn't. Well, technically, uh, it's not just a changing. story. It was more like a two stories it's and it's and a little snippet thing, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, for the first story, it was written by uh, Sean Ryan, Ryan on the art, and uh, Brandon Peterson as the artist. And to sum up what basically what this story is, as as Peter Parker is coming back uh back from his business at um at um Parker Industries and I guess he was supposed to read some kind of new report on some high tech batteries or whatever it is, he sees some cop guards go by and he goes through the scene and you know, of an accident which they find is taken care of, but on the ground he finds a cell phone. And it's and you might as well put the 24 ticking clock up here because this is a matter of <laughs> life and death because he has yeah. to find this, the owners of the cell phone. So the whole issue is basically him going around trying to find the owners of this thing. Like he runs into Hawkeye at one point who I guess has the deductive powers of Sherlock Holmes to figure out that he had that just by looking at this phone that, oh, well, it's quite an elementary Spider-Man that these are that the phone belongs to German tourists. And you can tell by they're wearing Lederhosen and everything like this, and then he's wearing a soccer jersey and because uh, oh, <laughs> Americans don't like soccer. And so, so then the whole issue, he's, uh, so he eventually, he eventually finds the owners, and, of course, they uh, thank him. Oh, no, wait, before that, he runs into the uh, menagerie. You know, those guys for those, those wonderful villains that you demanded from uh, the first issue of Amazing Spider-Man from the relaunch, consisting of the White Rabbit, the Hippo, uh, Pandamania, and I guess the former Gypsy Moth known as Skin, or Skyen, I can't pronounce her name. But how, how is it spelled? I think it's S-K-E-I-N, uh, or Skyen? Because it's not, yeah, I think it's, because it's both, in other words, it's a former Gypsy Moth, basically, is what she, is who she is. Um, and anyway, Spidey quickly beats him up because he figures, I don't have time for you losers. And so he just, you know, and so he finally finds the, um, the German tourists and gives them their phone back. And they're kind of like, well, we thank you, Spider-Man, for giving it back. But, um, you know, don't you have anything else to do? And he goes, well, no. And the next day, he, of course, he forgets to read the report. And then Sir Johnny Joffrey's mad at him. And, and so as he's sulking, he sees more police cars pass by the window and he smiles. And so the implication is... Is that oh I get to I get to leave work to be Spider Man again so um, yeah it's kind of an it's and the artwork I think is okay but you can kind of tell that um, he was playing around a little bit with Photoshop because what he's doing is it looked like he looked like he uh, did the um, drew the figures and then he did some cutting and pasting job over like 
look like they are they took photographs and rotoscoped him or something because there's a couple places where it looks like um especially if you look at that thing where he's um sitting in uh, central park and it's like you know like looks like the scene from uh, from the Spider- amazing spider-man 2 movie you know all those red steps and you can right. kind of tell that you know that's cuz the shadowing of Spidey, there's, he's not casting anything when he's sitting on those steps. It just looks like somebody took like one of those, you know, vinyl stick'em paint. You know, remember those old things that have the, you know, remember those old? I'm sure you remember uh, those old v- vinyl, vinyl something. Yeah, those old yet. vinyl stick-on things. It looks like one of those things. Now, there's occasional instances of that and stuff, but so, um, yeah. I mean, so that's just kind of a, you know, kind of a lighthearted kind of story. And then they got the interlude thing is the Amazing Spider Ant by um, Kale Akinson, who's an animator, um, who's done, I think, I forgot what, um, he kind of does some stuff for, you need to kind of Disney short stuff. And it's kind of almost reminiscent. Have you ever seen those uh, YouTube um, Bad Days videos? Um, where they, no, no. Oh, okay. Where basically the premise is that they have like a superhero and that, and everything that can go wrong can. So. It's kind of like with this thing, it's like sure, showing like little cute <clears throat> scenes of like, oh, Aunt May, like giving the villains cookies and then beating them up with a frying pan. Or when she finds Spidey's costume and she turns it into a pit tablecloth and drapes. And, and there's another thing where she sees the rhino and Spidey fighting, so she calls animal and pest control. And, <laughs> and so the, and the last pan, and then of course the last scene is, it's actually, was actually the, it was actually a huge because, she got all the villains. She got um, as Spidey is fighting the lizard, Doc Ock, Venom, and the Vulture. She tells him to stop, and they, and they end up sitting on her couch and knitting. And if you read some of the stuff that they're actually knitting, like you know, the lizard is knitting a one-arm sweater which says "Science Rules," which I thought. And then it's Venom's like got this little drooly smile thing where he's writing "Die Spider" and everything. So it's just kind of like it's a little you know fluffy piece and. And then the last story, um, we I guess you have what I guess would we describe as sort of a, another new Sinister Six, consisting of, um, and I'm sure some of you Marvel aficionados would know these guys because I sure didn't until I looked them up. Um, okay, Angar the Screamer. Oh yeah, uh, who was one? Who was at, Yeah, who was at one? Who I who was one time? Um, a th- who was a songbird of Thunderbolts? Was actually her her uh, partner in crime back during their um, uh, when they were ba- basically basically hippie versions of Bonnie and Clyde. That was her old man. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, then you have the consists of the four members of the Headmen: uh, Shrunken Bones, Gorilla Man, Ruby Thursday, and Shondoom the Mystic. I didn't even know these guys were a team until after the you know Brad, after the thing. Brad, we talked about them not too long ago. Remember, Ruby Tuesday is the one where like. She has like the red orb head. Yep. And then oh, they yeah, had that yeah, yeah, cover yeah. where she had Chandu's head above her and for the longest time I thought that like it was like an old man with big boobs. <laughs> First time I saw her was in a sensational She Hulk book. They, right. they were in that uh, horrible Spider Man arc, uh what was it, art theft or something like that? Right. Yeah. I mean just yes. dreadful. And, and, and like, web, yeah. Right. Well they're they're like those are the and then yeah, those guys are there, and then the and the leader of this crew is none other than Howard the Duck's arch nemesis, Doctor Bomb. Doctor Bomb. Doctor Bomb. Doctor Doctor Bomb. And what is Doctor Bond's nefarious scheme? Well, apparently he's gone into 
um, the Beyond Corporation's Anacolic Chamber. And now, for those of you who don't know what that is, that's a reference to a comic called Next Wave. And, you know, this, and too complex to get into. Anyway, this, this chamber is like the world's most quiet room. And in this chamber is some kind of um, interdimensional teleportation device. And so Dr. Bond's nefarious plan is to go into this teleportation device and use his cosmic bond <laughs> to somehow <laughs> attain godhood. We don't know actually how he's supposed to do that, but that's his big plan. So he's going into the chamber, and while he goes in there with uh, Shondu, the other, member, the other uh, villains are kind of wondering, are we sure we want him to do this because, you know, he's kind of nuts. And the other guy's like, oh, no, no, no. It's... And they're saying, and the gorilla man saying, no, it's the crazy people you got to watch out for. And then Ruby Thursday says, well, as long as Spider-Man cracks jokes, the world is all right. Well, as if on cue, Spidey shows up, and he doesn't say anything. And the villains tried to goad him, but again, he's not doing anything. And then Spidey attacks him. And there's actually kind of a cool little automatopoeia thing going on where they have like the panels where he's going, where it's you know thwip and swoosh. And um, with and everything, but they're made and they they shape the panels as the words, and so he's beating up the villains, and then and then afterwards, Doctor Bond comes out, and of course he gives a great monologue saying, "Ah, Spider-Man, the avatar of the trickster deity, behold, you will bear witness to the cosmic ascension of Doctor Bond. I am unto a god. Do you have a valedictorian? Last words, mortal." And so Spidey punches him with a Bond effect. And the, uh, and the whole punchline of this thing is, the reason why Spidey didn't say anything, it's because he had laryngitis. Oh. And that's the end of the issue yeah, there. So, it's kind of, so <clears throat> overall, the entire annual, I would probably give it about maybe a, a C. It's, it's nothing, you know, it, you can pick it up if you want to, but, you know, nothing. It's not essential. No, no, it's just kind of, it's basically if you want to break from Spider-Verse and, Essentially, and so because it, it was nice to see Peter the Central Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, you know that that was a, a bit of a different palette taste that we haven't had. In but they mm-hmm. have to go to like editor drawer stories. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. this is totally two backups smashed together. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how many uh, backup Spider-Man stories are in a drawer. Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, it's almost. I mean, I wonder how many they have. Well, it's funny because I mean, the the, the thing is that these these are obviously in continuity with the current um, Spider-Man and everything because it's referring to Parker Industries in the first one and stuff like that. But you're just kind of wondering, you know. Yeah, but you can always change up dialogue. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can I, I add, a, you I can like add a couple panels here. There, mm-hmm. I like that Brandon Peterson, the artist. Mm-hmm. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, I, I haven't looked at this issue, but Brandon Peterson, uh, he's I, a good artist. I first became a fan of his back when he was working for Crossgen, and he he was the penciler for that Mystic comic that they had. He's really good. Mm-hmm. Real quick, pros and cons. Um, yeah, well, pros of the thing is that I think I with the with the first story, what I kind of liked was the fact that it's kind of a interesting angle on the fact that. The reason why Peter is pursuing doing being Spider Man is so he could avoid the drudgery of work. And it kind of emphasizing the fact that he's, you know, really not a corporate CEO type of guy. I mean, and he's just looking for any excuse to get away from it. And that's why he's I, the implication, that's why he's so hell bent on trying to find this couple's phone. It's because it's just so he could have to avoid you know, which is everyone I think could relate to and everything. Um like I said, the other one, um but the other one, I think the mid story is kind of cute, um, and also last story. I mean, that's just 
you know, you're scraping the bottle, bottom of the uh, D-list pile there. So it's amusing to see those guys there. But I think in just a, a, a general con, it's just, like I said, it's just kind of, it's just kind of there. I mean, they're just kind of like, eh, they're, you know, they're nothing, it, they're, they're okay, but they're not that great. They're, they're not great. They're just, you know. Well, I mean, the annuals, I mean, when, I think when they started making them, like, the Evolutionary War tie-ins, mm-hmm. the, the Atlantis attacks thing, yeah. annuals used to mean something. Yeah. I mean, we, we learned about the origin of Peter Parker's parents. Mm-hmm. He got married. Right. Uh, there was a great Mary Jane. Uh, mm-hmm. Remember that John Arena cover? Yeah, she's, Mary Jane? yeah, she's, yeah she's got the spider costume one. on. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Annuals don't mean anything anymore. Yeah, they I know. Really I, I, hey, yeah, this, there was annuals like Annex, you know, that, that wonderful superhero <laughs> that got his four-issue miniseries. Oh, right. gosh. I guess annuals died in the 80s, didn't they? Yeah, Late well, 80s. It, no, because they were still – even in the 90s, they were – they used the annuals to tell, like, multi-part stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Atlantis Attacks. Remember and the, the Spider-Man yeah, crossover? I didn't, I didn't like those, though. Yeah, huh? I didn't like those. I didn't like the Atlantis. Well, they still like had a purpose, though. That's the that's the yeah. thing. I mean, they they were they were okay. they were like precursors to events. Right. And yeah. Um, is, yeah. And the other thing is, you're paying like what? Four, you're paying close to five bucks for this kind of for this comic, essentially. Exactly. And so you're like, you kind of want a little bit more bang for your buck than what you kind of usually get. And it's, I mean, because yeah, you're right. I mean, if you look at some of those past annuals, I mean, they were just, I mean, they are supposed to be the things that tell these big, giant, epic stories, thing that you would normally normally get in a regular sized comic. And here, it's just more like, oh, like you said, you have like two backups essentially smooshed together. So, yeah, but that's why we didn't review that on the main. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. section. Mm-hmm. All right, George, uh, tell me about Spider-Man 2099, number seven. Uh, second part of the, you know, obligatory Spider-Verse crossover. Yeah. Uh, they're still trapped in 2099. Uh, of course, it's Spidey, uh, or not Spidey, Miguel, and uh, Lady Spider. Uh, unfortunately, Six Arm Pete is still dead. <laughs> and Damos uh, is trapped inside that same... Uh, Energy Vault, where they had trapped Venom in in the original series. And uh, apparently this thing is inescapable. At one point, Lady Spider's like, is there any chance that you know, Deimos could break out? And, uh, and Miguel's like, none. The energy level uh, multiplies exponentially the more he shoves against it. He had to take out the entire eastern seaboard power grid to even make a dent in it. And I'm thinking, okay, then why not bring all of them here? <laughs> and then just put all of them in there. You yeah. know? But then that's, you know, I, I, I'm a big picture kind of guy, Brad. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, um, so Spidey and uh, Lady Spider, they, they talk to Ty Stone briefly. Uh, they start uh, dissecting the Deimos clone. So you got a Deimos clone who's trapped in an energy prison. And then you got a Deimos clone on the operating table. There's too many goddamn clones. Oh, yeah, One clone is too many. <laughs> Hey. That's the whole theme of this recording. <laughs> Multiple <laughs> clones everywhere. We'll talk about know, more right? about that in Scarlet Spiders number two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, while they're while they're operating on the clone and trying to figure out more about the clone, uh, they have a monitor and they're talking to Deimos through the monitor. And he even you know says, "Look, I'll, I'll make a deal with you. Uh, we'll let you live. We'll let the two of you live to a ripe old age if you just let me out of here." And Spidey's like, "You think I'm stupid?" <laughs> what are you high? No. So then um he gives Lady Spider a one of those temporal wrist device that he took off one of the other Spider Men. And um 
gives it to her so she can analyze the tech in it so that they can maybe use it to use it as a dimensional jumper, okay? So meanwhile, Deimos is getting more and more antsy. He's like a kid with ADD uh, inside the cell, and you know he's still pleading with him and stuff. And I've, while this is going on, Lady Spider is still examining the clone, and, and Miguel takes off, goes to a different part of the lab, talks to a doctor – and the gist of this is he's talking he, – he's, you know, it starts off – they come in you know, like at the end of the conversation, and Miguel's talking to this lab guy, and he's like, so we've cured it then. And the lab guy's like, yeah, we cured it back in the 2040s. There hasn't been a case of this in the decades. And he's like, we can you – know, I'll synthesize it for you in two minutes, and it's just one shot, and it's done. And he's like, okay, great, do it. Of course he's talking about his – that gal that uh, Peter David introduced like in the first couple of issues who is his janitor that he – you know, kind of argues with, but you can tell they have the hots for one another. The girl with the purple hair, remember, because mm-hmm. he found out that she has some terminal disease. So clearly, this is what that is. Okay. So I like that in the bloated crossover, we're still moving the main story ahead. So props to Peter David for that, yeah. or not the main story, but you know, we're not letting it completely, completely derail us from what Peter David was doing originally. So uh, Deimos does his best to try to get out, and he's, he's finally – he's reached the point where he's putting everything into it, and Miguel's like, I've never seen anybody hit this trap like this. How is this guy even you know, still standing? And they think he's about to get out, you know, get out, and then finally he just keels over dead. And, but, but he's telling them, you know, this won't stop anything. There will be more clones, you know, more clones. Of course, that's what clones do. <laughs> and um, sure enough, as he's mm. saying that – there's another clone racing across the city, and it gets taken out. Well, taken out. It gets interrupted by the Punisher. Punisher 2099 makes an appearance. Haven't seen him in decades. I know, man. It's crazy. Loved it. And he actually fights Deimos pretty effectively with a huge gun. It's, it's yeah. kind of a weird nod to the 90s. you got the guy with the giant gun you know, doing, doing uh, effective things. And he keeps shooting Deimos, and Deimos is like, you think this will, this will stop me? And the Punisher pulls out a titanium, some sort of titanium rod. It's like a, yeah, it's like a titanium bat, isn't it? Yeah, and just starts hitting, hitting Deimos in the face. I mean, just cracks him like, like three times across the face, and then once right into the, I mean, just right dead center in his face. Then yeah. uh, hits Deimos with some kind of flame gun. That doesn't really stop him, but it melts the ground underneath him and, and drops him, presumably stories and stories and stories below. Uh, to which... Uh, you know, you got uh, Punisher twenty ninety nine telling Spidey, "Hey, it's clear. If you've got a place to be there, now's the time to be there." <laughs> so Spidey and uh, Lady Spider use the uh, wrist device that she had examined earlier, and they jump uh, back into the the safe pocket. Remember, like the dinosaur dimension? I think it was. No, it actually was where the cosmic Spidey was. I think. Yeah, we're co- and, and and this is we have an editorial snafu, and I blame I blame Nick Lowe for this. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where, uh, where you know we've they show up and there's all the, there's the dead dinosaur Spider-Man and the the dead Captain Universe Spider-Man and they they didn't get the memo that dead Captain Universe Spider-Man is supposed to be just a dried husk, <laughs> but instead we have a whole body here, mm-hmm. you know. Oh. So I'm like, well, you know, that's something that an editor should pick up. But oh well, it's comics. <laughs> so uh, to be continued, and uh, there you go. So this one gets a B. I mean, yes, it's part of a bloated crossover, but. We're uh, we're moving the story forward, 
you know, like the little subplots that Peter David was already seeding into the story. They were still moving those forward. And again, you know, it, it's an obligatory bloated crossover event, but it's written by Peter David, so not so bad. What's your grade on it? I gave it a B. B. All right. Uh, I guess it's my turn. I have uh, <laughs> Axis Carnage number – what number is this? Number three. three. Uh, Number three, this is wrapping up this obligatory uh, miniseries. All right, written by Rick Spears, uh, art by German Peralto. Uh, plot, basically Carnage gets hit in the back with some missiles from the U.S. government. At the end of issue two, issue three, he gets hit in the back. He dreams, uh, he goes into dreamland. He sees that uh, an angel up there that looks like the news anchor Alice that he's been stalking, and she says, uh, be a hero and save me. So, uh, Carnage is okay. He can take a couple missiles to the back. He just reforms. Uh, Alice, the news anchor, was abducted by the Sin Eater in the last uh, issue. Uh, Alice is taken to the underground lair and is revealed to be Emil Gregg. Emil Gregg is the, uh, JR informed me, it took me a while, but this goes back to Amazing Spider-Man number 300. Uh, also, re- help me refresh me with this a little bit, guys, because it's been years. Eddie Brock wrote that Emil Gregg was the senator, right? Yes. Does that yes. work? Okay. Eddie Brock was proven to be a fraud. Eddie Brock got mad, uh, took the symbiote, went after Spider-Man. Yes. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. Okay. All right. Anyway, this new senator is Emil Gregg, the, um, which he's dead, but he came back, etc. got a mask. He got better. looks like. He got better, and he, he's, like, he looks like the Ghost Rider under that green mask that he wears. So, uh, Carnage, after taking a couple shots to the back with a couple missiles, uh, says, I've got to find this news anchor that I've got the hots for and be a hero. So he gets at the top of a building, and he uses his tendrils to stretch out throughout the city, which, <laughs> which is odd. That's just odd. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into every nook and cranny of the city and see if my tendrils can find this news anchor. Well, okay. guess what? That, uh, exactly. That sounds, go ahead. That sounds like the start of a, of a really bad Japanese hentai. Yep. He's supposed to be swinging like Spider-Man, I take it. Well, how much how much square foot does he have on that symbiote? <laughs> <laughs> is it a twelve inch Scarlet Carnage? I don't know. That, that mass is kind of a mass is kind of a I, funny thing in the Marvel universe, actually. I know. <laughs> Zach with that one. All right. So anyway, luck has it uh, due to plotting. Uh, he <laughs> finds Alice in, in an underground sewer. I'm off to save you, Alice. There goes Carnage and. Uh, a fight ensues with the Sin Eater, uh, and Sin Eater tries to make Carnage pay for his sins, because he is the Sin Eater. If it was a buffet, it would be filled with sins. So then, uh, but then he shoves all, Carnage uh, says, you want my sins? You can have them. He shoves all of them towards the Sin Eater, and that's just too much for the, 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 the that's all folks, the, the damn bastard. Anyway, he grow the Sin Eater, the more sin he gets... The bigger he gets, like the Hulk, the matter the matter he gets, the angrier, whatever the hell it is. Anyway, he grows to the size of Giant Man, so he's a Giant Man Sin Eater, <laughs> and, and Carnage says, "I held one back from you, buddy. My last sin is that all that murder, all that destruction, I loved every bit of it, and that is just too damn much for the Sin Eater. What do you think happens to him? He, he probably." Sh- 
He explodes very, <laughs> very good. Carnage thanks him for absolving the Sin Eater. Uh, thanks to Sin Eater for absolving him from all of his sins, and he can now have a fresh start. Alice then picks up the Sin Eater's shotgun and blows Carnage's head off. Uh, and then we see that his body reforms, which is very confusing to me because isn't uh, Cletus Cassidy under all that symbiosis? No, um, that was established with minimum Carnage. Across, okay. Um, across, oh, yeah, me. that's... Oh, gosh. Uh, because... How does, is, is is Cletus dead? Cletus, uh, like he's they he still has the husk, but he was pretty much lobotomized at the end of um the end of Minimum Carnage, and he just has the husk. And now it's it's like a the husk. What is a husk? The husk, like the his body is pretty much just a husk that he's completely symbiote now. Mm-hmm. It's just a, so there it, there is a human body under the, it's the supposed symbiote. to be yeah. Okay, well, that uh, that doesn't make any sense, because the head is completely blown off. But we don't see any head or anything. We just see it reform uh, a head of carnage. Anyway, nothing can kill this bastard, not even bad writing. Oh, uh, the wait, poli- wait, we'll get to that in a minute, though. All right. We, well, uh, that, poli- that's later on the pot, later in the show. But. The, the police uh, open fire, and Alice says, nobody is all good, carnage. Most people are hardly good at all. Carnage then realizes that to be the hero that he needs to be, he has to be alone. So he swings off, and it says, to read more Carnage stories, join Axis, uh, etc. Uh, pro, the art and the Eddie Brock revelation were my pros. Uh, the Eddie Brock was right the whole time. I think that was kind of a nice twist. That was a little uh, continuity porn for us longtime readers. Uh, the con, nothing can kill Carnage. He's like a cartoon character when this character should be dark and brooding, etc. Grade C out of me. Any, did anybody read this one besides me? No. Uh, no. <laughs> God. Zach, did you read this no. one? No. No. Okay. Oh, no. No. Unless you're a, 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 a symbiote lover, this has a little Eddie Brock twist in it if you want to read that. Yeah. But not. it's an average book at best. Uh, what do the listeners want to hear now? Probably something about Spider Verse. Let's take it back to Scarlet Spiders number two. Oh, they talk- don't want to hear that. <laughs> let's, talk about- <laughs> let's talk about clones, babe. Okay, now the uh, <laughs> Scarlet Spiders number two. Now, give you kind of a backstory. Remember the three clones that are part of the, ma- the Spider Verse event: Ben Riley from Earth ninety four, uh, Black Widow, aka Ultimate Spider Woman. Uh, from uh, the Ultimate Universe and Kane from the 616 are all on a secret mission to go to uh, Genix. Now, Genix is one of the inheritors. It's his little world that he's got. And um, this issue is uh, called The Other. It's written by Mike Costa and Paco Diaz did the artwork. Now, um, it opened... Uh, last issue ended with the Human Torch, Johnny Storm, asking what the meaning it was, because Iron Man was evil too in the uh, in the Genix world, and so Ben Riley is dressed up as Iron Man now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this leads to a cause comics, yeah, cause comics, yeah, and so because and, and Iron Man, not Iron Man, Ben Riley is got. <laughs> <laughs> Which is that just sounds so weird. Yeah, uh, has got uh, Kane captive. <laughs> this <laughs> has got Kane captive. He runs and he runs into this to this um, Johnny Johnny Storm, who's head of security, and 
of course, you know, shenanigans happen, and and Kane, you know, busts out of his out of his um, restraints. Iron Man armor. No, no, Kane's not. No, oh, no, no. Sorry. Yeah, Kane, sorry. Kane, Kane busts out of his uh, his, of his restraints. It goes invisible and beats the living tar out of Johnny Storm and just is total badass. Uh, Kane says, oh, I don't, I don't think you need to have the armor on anymore. And that's, of course, when the, all the guards show up, leading to a very awkward moment where Ben Riley has half of his costume on and half of the Iron Man costume on. Uh, um, this leads to um, them trying to find a lab assistant named Miles Bourne. Because, you know, he was a lab assistant of the high evolutionary, so that's kind of what... And, by the way, I didn't talk about Jennick's costume and what he is. He looks like a bad version of Ra's al Ghul. Yes, he does. <laughs> that's yeah, it. that's a good That's point. it. I'm wondering you something about that with the uh, yeah, And yeah. The, funny, the funny thing is, is that he's in charge of, you know, making sure that the other inheritors never die. So you're basically blatantly ripping off Ra's al Ghul. You know, <laughs> well done. Mar- <laughs> Spider Verse, well done. Anyway, they run into they find this, the lab assistant of, the, the, oh, known as Miles Warren. Which, if I'm surprised that Kane and Ben didn't just want to completely and utterly punch this guy's face in because of all the crap that they he, that six one six Miles Warren put them through. Is there a um, way to punch someone's face and that's not complete and utterly? No, <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so. Uh, so it's, re- awesome. it's it's revealed that of course these are a bunch of clones and they've got a bunch of different versions of the inheritors. So the plot basically is how do they destroy all the clones? So clones killing clones, which the end. That that's a good day for George. Yeah. 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 <laughs> pros and cons and great. Uh, pros. I I like the, I like um, Ben. I think Ben's kind of was underutilized in this issue. Uh, Kane's characterization was spot on. Uh, this is some of the best Kane characterization uh, that's not written by Chris Yost. So I think that uh, Kane was really well done. Um, my con, Jessica really doesn't do much in this issue. I think she appears like on seven panels of the entire book. Um, uh, Mile, not Miles Warren actually shows up more in this book than <laughs> than Jessica Drew, um, which is sad, really. Um you know, and but Ben Riley's characterization is good, but I think he's just kind of underutilized. There's not enough depth, and I think with only three issues, you can't really get into much. Um, the narration kind of gets a little heavy-handed. It's a bit of a con for me. Um, the artwork is good. It's not great. It's serviceable. There's a couple of anatomy issues that I would have if I was to really nitpick it. <laughs> if I was to really nitpick it, but other than that, it's not bad. Cool. Let's keep along with the Spider-Verse theme with you, Zach. Uh, Spider-Verse team-up number two and number three you've got. Yeah, i got team-up number two, and, and obviously team-up number two and three are um, – they're written uh, – each one of these of these team-up books have had a spider, um, a spider scribe from spider history. I'll say that five times fast. Um, <laughs> this uh, Spider-Verse team-up number two has Jerry Conway returning to – or to the duties, to the duties. Um, <laughs> I don't know why it's making me laugh. Um, what, is he in a, what is he in a daycare all of a sudden? <laughs> no, we're about to get to the crap with the all new. Jerry Gunway did it. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, go to the corner. Yeah, that's, that's not very good. Okay, so it's <laughs> it's uh, the first part is called Too Many Spider Man featuring featuring 1967 Spider Man, Ultimate Spider Man from TV. Nice. 
and Miles Morales Ultimate Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So um, basically, this is that's fun. Uh, it's a fun story. It's written by Christos Gage. Dave Williams did the pencils, and it's it's hilarious. Oh yeah, um, it is. It's, it's awesome. It, it's it is one of those. And like everything you don't like about Ultimate Spider-Man the cartoon, like he randomly is talking talking to you, the reader. And they're actually asking, like, who is he talking to? I'm starting to <laughs> think he even he doesn't know. I mean, seriously, pl- that is whole, it's it's a lot of fun. It's basically the '60s cartoon crossing over with with um, this Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon with Miles Morales caught in the middle, and it's just a lot of fun, a barrel of laughs. Is there any reference to the '67 cartoon sounding actually, like he has, you know, with his voice sounding like he's got balls the size of Texas? <laughs> and like maybe he changed smokes two packs a day. It just so happens the words "balls of Texas" do not appear. No, it does in this comic. No, it does. But it's really oh, hilarious because they all unmask at one point. Oh and, yeah, and he's like, "You walk around like that," <laughs> and um, and then Miles Morales takes off his mask and he's got to get he's doing the eye roll. He's like. But I think you would have had a harder time selling what I'm what, that I'm you, <laughs> and then like like the whole time it's yep. it's Ultimate Spider-Man just talking at the reader. It's hilarious. Um, this um, then leads to Spider After the After Dark, which is basically Spider Gwen. And this is the one written by Jerry Conway. Spider Gwen, which ironically ironic that Jerry Conway is writing as writing as ironically ironic. Yes, <laughs> it's late. Leave me alone. It's ironic that Spider Gwen is being written by Jerry Conway. Remember, Jerry Conway killed Gwen Stacy. Um, yep. And it's basically her fighting Peter Parker, aka the Hobgoblin, because oh he Christ be- Jesus! Yeah, he became the Hobgoblin because <laughs> Gwen Stacy died. And it's a conversation that um, they have about he could never get over the fact that he just. Uh, that he uh, lost Gwen Stacy and everything like that, and and at the end of the story, uh, N- Hob Hob Peter, let's call him that, saves Spider Gwen, and he finally redeems himself. The end. Mm. I didn't really care for that story. I I didn't either. I thought it was kind of weak. Yeah. Um, first story I thought was hilarious. That gets an A from mm. me. But the second story, yes, I agree. The second story was just not. It wasn't good. All right. So, uh, well, great on the first one, great on the second one. First one is an A. Second yeah. one, I'm going to give a C minus. Yeah. Hey, Zach, on that Scarlet Spider book. Yeah. You said you had problems with the anatomy. Were they lumpy and misshapen, or what was the deal on that? Uh, there was a couple of panels where, like, there was one particular panel. I think it's actually up on Crawl Space on the review where uh, Ben and Kane are actually climbing up. Kane's head looks kind of disattached from the rest of his body. It's just a very odd way. Like his of, neck is broken or something. Yeah, like his neck's broken, <laughs> and it's just kind of for the most. And like um, Jessica's abs are kind of like her torso is a lot longer than normal. It's just weird. Uh, I I can't really explain it. I'm not an artist, but that's that's just something that really stuck right. out to me. For the most part, his artwork's good. It's just. It was one of those things that when I was reading it, I'm like, man, that, that his head, what what's going on with that? Um, <laughs> Spider Verse team up number three. Now this is the big one because this is obviously yeah. the uh, return of T- Tom DeFalco, Ron Friend, Salvi Sima, Christos Gage is back, uh, Dave Williams is back, and this is the same creative team that did the um, 
uh, first story in, in number two. Um, it picks up where the um, Spider-Men are in the bunker, and Aranya girl <laughs> decides to take a team of spiders on a secret mission. Now, her and uh, her, Peter and Otto are all Otto are, are all all arguing. Wow, it's a lot of us out of that. <laughs> and uh, they get transported to um, Earth twenty one or thirty one twenty three. Now, this Earth is where the Amazing Spider Man makes her her appearance because are you the fans depended it? Now, well, Spider Man, where was she from? Was that the uh, Marvel <clears throat> team up? No, no, she was, was, in no. A little, what if, she was actually in an, an issue of What If. Yeah, there was yeah. an issue of What If. There was an issue of What If, and then there was a like a backup story that was like a cartoon strip that was written that was called The Amazing Spider Ma'am. Um, mm-hmm. So there's that. Um, now, Car- Karn, who is supposedly a very big heavy hitter in this story, <laughs> he's, he's the uh, yeah he in the Spider Verse story he he um. He makes he makes an appearance here, and remember, Karn hasn't hardly showed up with anything yeah, in the race. One appearance in all of Amazing Spider-Man thus far. Yeah, it's Keep it's it it's, it's absurd. Um, he he's about to you know take out Spider-Man when Spider-Punk, Ashley Barton, Billy Braddock, and Petter, the Spider Indian guy, with Aranya Girl, all show up to to, to uh, with Spider-Man. Or no, Spider-Man was already there. Um, they basically all show up, to t- show up to try to take down Karn. They basically try to reason with him and try to ar- argue that, hey, you don't have to be a douchebag um, and kill us all. <laughs> I guess they appeal to his sensibilities and they go off to the po- to to fight the final battle because this actually couldn't take place inside of Amazing Spider-Man. Oh no! Absolutely, because <laughs> um, we're going too fast. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, so, um, and one of the ways they convince him that he can actually, you know, help us, dude, is okay. You can take a little bit of our life force. Yeah, All right uh, here and there. So this is to like, be it's, continu- like it's Pez. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? Just, just have a little nip. Yeah, just a little taste. Yeah, here. Exactly. Just, just suck on this. Here, here's a free sample. Yeah. Basically. So this is, this is to be continued. To be continued in Amazing Spider-Man it, for 14. It made me think of True Blood, where Sookie s- lets uh, Bill Compton suck a little blood. <laughs> exactly. Hopefully they weren't suck naked. Suck a little blood and get get a little naked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so this, this is this uh, the second part is Spider Girl and Uncle Ben together called Bugged, and uh, the 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 chapter opens with the the Spider Girl. That's very important. Mayday Parker. I'm Mayday Parker, the Spider Girl. Um, She's, that's off. Yeah, that's well, off. Actually, that's actually the exact wording that Dan Slott used in Amazing Spider-Man number eight. It's, Again, that's off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a bit of exposition with uh, with May saying, you know, the inheritors kidnapped my brother. They plan to sacrifice him, murder him, and De- Deimos, uh, just like Deimos slaughtered my. What are you waiting for? Let's go. You know, type thing. She's very upset, very angry. And then um, cowardly Uncle Ben—that's what we're going to call him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
is trying to reason with May, and May is just not having it. She's just pissed, and yeah. um, she punches a hole in the you know bunker, and you know <laughs> Ben's like, dude, dude, are you serious? You're wrecking my home here. I mean, come on. And like I say, May is not having it. They have the obligatory fight. And she basically continues to call him cow- cowardly Uncle Ben, which he is. I mean, when you hear the story about what this Uncle Ben did or didn't do uh, in ASM 13, you, you find out that this guy is kind of just um, – he didn't do anything. He just sat there while Otto Octavius blew up the world. So uh, this story <laughs> um, basically basically – May and Ben kind of patch things up, and May still swears revenge like she didn't learn a damn thing <laughs> from what, what Ben was do- trying to do. Um, this story, and I hate to do this. I know what they were trying to do. Um, I'm giving it a, a C. Whoa, hey, whoa. That's about, that's what I actually gave it, actually. Oof. Um, and my- the, re- the reason being is... It, is I get what DeFalco and friends are trying to do. And I give them an A for effort. Mm-hmm. But they they don't you know, it'd be different if they were trying to would try to redeem this May. And they pretty much without pretty much saying it, they say how they do it is they basically kinda of go a roundabout way saying, This isn't your May Parker. Mm-hmm. So so mm-hmm. um R E L A X. Relax, people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and in that regard, it does accomplish its goal. But I just, I oh. didn't like the story. There's no redeeming qualities to this well, thing. So, so the jump-off point is at that last panel where she says, "There's probably a May somewhere yeah. that has a, a a mom and a dad and a brother." Mm-hmm. And also, the she says the her brother's name wrong, doesn't she? Yeah, she calls Benny. him Benny. This is Benji. Right. That's how Dan Slott has been calling her in the call. That's how Mayday has been calling so her. So here's, here's the, the question. Yeah. Did Dan Slott make an error doing that? No. Or he didn't? No. That's actually, I think, if, correct me if I'm wrong, Zach, that's actually supposed to be what, how Mayday calls her brother is Benji. Benji yeah, is. He calls is, him Benji. Yeah. yeah. Right. Not Benny. That's right. Not Benny. So, so did, there's, did Slott make an error by calling. Benny. No, 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 no. Slot never did. He's he's always been calling her. He's always having Mayday call her Benji. It's Tom DeFalco oh, and, and, and Ron Burns are calling her Benny in this story. Okay. Yeah. So, so Slot. I mean, uh, DeFalco and <clears throat> friends are are that's they're out. Mm-hmm. <coughs> okay. Yeah. And between that and and look, she doesn't call herself the Spider Girl. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. my name is Mayday Parker and I'm Spider Girl. Right. That's not the spider. There's no the. There's. I mean, it's just. So basically, DeFalco and friends saw an opportunity and basically said, "Hey." Um, and, and I I have a hard time giving it a C because it's, because it's DeFalco and friends, but it that's yeah that's my, that's my grade. So, if, would you have rather had it been no the regular payday? No, I think it's a good out. I just didn't like the story of how it happened. I don't like her in her. I, she, she's just so angry, and I think mm-hmm. that. And I know it's it's her grief going on right now, and as a character, but to me, it 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 didn't endear and ingratiate 
Well, she did see her parents brutally murdered in front of her, and some some douchebag yeah. stole her brother. Well, the other That's thing true. is, too, I mean, she's got a right to be angry. Right. The other thing, and, is and, too, and, and, is, and, and, and I don't, th- I don't think, I think she'd act this and way. She's, and she's Peter Parker's daughter. Peter Parker himself is hot headed. Yeah. Or used yeah. to be when he's you know when he's well written. So it makes sense that she would be the same way. How many times have we seen Peter Parker tell somebody I'll kill you and he doesn't really mean it? Well, the right. uh, but the other thing is too is that if the if the if the if the Falcon for instance if the idea was to try to suggest that maybe this is relax folks this is not uh, the the Mayday Parker you come to know and love and Dan Sock can suck it. Um, <laughs> um, um, it's a wow you're really reading between the lines well, but well, there, I no. mean if you re- well they because friends I guess he gave an interview when the after Amazing Spider-Man number eight came out and he just yeah. he just really pe- well they could have just as had her refer to her brother as Benji in this story, and I think the point would have still gone across. It's just that when they did that Benny thing, I think for me that was a bit too much. It was almost like they're almost making it a little bit too, trying a little bit too hard to try to make it distinct, because the story doesn't really match up at what's going on in Spider-Verse at all, really. And, and, and look, and in terms of artwork, it's awesome. The artwork Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. If you're an old school uh, fan of it's great. Here's a heads up for the listeners. Uh, I, I emailed Tom DeFalco, mm-hmm. and he and Ron Friends are game for another podcast. So we're going to be recording that in a few weeks. I'll put up a thread on our message board that you can ask them some questions. Uh, but this will be interesting to get their take about the the taking an alternate Spider-Girl and putting her in this story. Mm-hmm. And 90% right. of the time I would be – or 98% of the time I'd be like, go buy this book. I'm not mm-hmm. telling people not to buy this book because I think um, – I think it's an important. You have to have this book. It really gives you the, mm-hmm. the whole story that you need with Spider Verse. But I just I didn't like. There was something that just felt off about it, and it may be because of because of the slot thing. But right. but it just that's why I gave it a C. Cool. All right, Mike. Uh, what would you like? Sp- let's keep Spider Verse going with Spider Woman. Yes, two. let's keep that and, going. And the character that we all love, Silk. Why do you hate me, Brad? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no. Okay, well, you know that you know how the whole story. You probably, if though, for those of you who are missing, who are reading Amazing Spider-Man um, and the Spider-Verse story, you're kind of wondering uh, all about what that secret mission that Spider-Man wanted to send Jessica Drew on. Well, apparently, it was to send her to Loom World. And of course, being this a bit, be, be, this a be a top secret mission. Of course, Tika Drew is walking around in broad daylight in full costume in public. No, 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 no hiding or anything like this. Well, <laughs> she of course automatically gets spotted, and but of course, people are actually kind of being complimentary of her. They're like ending, and also she gets, I guess, what the term would be, um, shanghaied by pirates. So, who take her back to her ship. And it turns out that this is where she learns that there is an evil version of Jessica Drew that is working for the Inheritors in, the, in, the, in Loom World. And so, and this evil version of Jessica Drew has a deal going with these pirates, so they could kind of, you know, so they could give her a cut of, the, of, their, of their booty and their loot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. I'm she even makes a joke about the booty, about, oh, a regularly scheduled booty call with these guys, by the way. And so... As this is going on, the evil Jessica Drew is coming back from her shopping trip. I'm not kidding. Yeah, she actually is going on a shopping trip and everything where she's given yep. a date. The world's ending yeah. for Spider-Man. Yeah. Let's go shopping. Yeah, let's go shopping. <laughs> so, yeah, the evil, the evil Jessica Drew comes back on the ship 
ship and said, oh, she uses her spider pheromones to distract the uh, ship captain and tell her, oh, if you see that, you know, don't remember I wasn't here. And so she leaves. Meanwhile, we bat- we're going back to the character that the fans wrote scores and scores of snail mail to demand to get her own series, known as Cindy Moon Moon, a.k.a. Silk. And she's running through different dimensions, like the ghost through a NASCAR dimension, um, a night, a Viking dimension, and a World War II one. And there's a NASCAR dimension. There's a NASCAR dimension. Yes. Wow. <laughs> yeah, there's a NASCAR dimension, and it's like at the top. It looks like it's a racing track kind of thing, and so she, But oh, my yeah. God. And so, well, while she's in the World War II dimension. Um, because she's being chased by the uh, Bricks and Bricks and Bora, the a- aka the Fox Hunter twins. Um, so the um, the uh, thing that I guess they there's a they blow up a jeep or something, and her teleporter thing that she's been using to hop around has, gets damaged, and so they corner her, and she sees that there's a portal, one of those Master Weaver portals they've been using to go around. She sees that, and while Bricks and Bora arguing, she happens to use her, she slings herself into that portal, and she winds up on Loom World. And mm-hmm. while she arrives there, um, apparently, the inheritors cannot find Silk, even though they're supposed to be sensing totems. And I don't know how this thing works, but they're looking around for her and everything like this, and, and then Silk sees someone who, look, who sees the evil Jessica Drew, mistakes her for the real Jessica, and and of course, evil Jessica's like Shell's totem, and our Jessica's there, and she punches out the evil Jessica Drew, and so and so Jessica gives Silk the, her, her own communicator, and that's how Silk winds up in that post-apocalyptic, um, you know, Earth three one four five, you know, where where the you know where we got where we had met the you know that the cowardly uncle where she found the cowardly uncle Ben and stuff that she, that's how she winds up there and everything. So it's almost like, um, so, and of course that, and that's how, why the inheritors can't go to that dimension and stuff. But, you know, for those who've read Spider-Man 12, you kind of sort of already know this. Um, so then Jessica, she takes the evil Jessica, puts her into a sea chest, loads her on the pirate ship and tells the pirates to kind of take the sea chest off. And so she's back into the Inheritor's Palace, and Morloon shows up. And, of course, she's trying to do the customary bowing because she, looks, she thinks, oh, well, I'm, I'm his handmaiden. Well, he tells her to get up, stand up, and he's like, well, why are you kneeling down? And he's like, oh, and she's like, well, I'm just trying to be superb. And so, well, that's okay. And so, so Morloon hoists her up, and as it turns out, the evil Jessica Drew was not only um, the servant to the Inheritor's, she was Morlun's lover because Morlun yeah. gives her a big old wet sloppy kiss and that's how the yep. issue ends. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the issue was written uh, in part by Dennis Hopeless and uh, art by Greg. I trace from Adult Magazine's land. Um, <laughs> oh, I like Greg Land. <laughs> I know, I know. But he's, <laughs> but he's, I mean, and it's it's decent enough, but it's just, but you can kind of tell that a lot of his stuff is is from tracings and everything, but I mean, I know it's easy to make kind of easy to make fun of her and everything like this. Um, pro, pro, well, pro, I think it's um, it's actually kind of a you know, I kind of it's like a little bit of light side story. I do actually kind of like a little bit of the dialogue and Jessica Drew's sass here 
a little bit, especially when dealing with some like you know how she's trying to totally play along with this totally situation, and she's totally weighing it. Um, and even she's even acknowledging just how how just how oddly convenient this whole thing is. Of course, we all know why this is so oddly convenient um, for those who've read Amazing Spider-Man. Um, as for Khan, well, yeah, Silk is just again there and having to. You know, it's almost like it's one of those it's it's one of those story it's one of those things where it kind of feels like it's both feels both filler, but it's also making important plot points a little bit because because it's dealing with the whole. It's almost like okay, how did they get from point A to point B kind of thing, and so it's and you know, I mean, I gave it a probably overall, I'd probably give it about maybe uh, oh, maybe a C plus or so, but you know, but yeah. yeah, it's 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 okay, it's 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 a it's a fun little book and everything although it's kind of it's kind of a shame that it's so tied down in spider-verse and everything rather you know especially these first couple issues and stuff so but what are you going to do uh george it's your turn what would you like guardians or would you like spider-man the x-men oh what do you want me to do i want you to do stegron all right stegron please all right well this one uh this one starts off um out in the X-Men's uh, danger room. And, uh, you know, it's a typical thing. Professor X trying to put them to their paces. Colossus getting hit by rockets. Wolverine slicing them apart, you know. And uh, Nightcrawler bamfing around everywhere. Uh, meanwhile, elsewhere in the mansion later that night, Kitty Pride has a nightmare. Uh, then Scott has a weird vision of Jean Grey, who, of course, is uh, is dead. And he freaks out. So then it, it, it shifts over back to uh, Teen Titans Tower. And um, <laughs> and and then uh, wait, what are you guys laughing about? I'm sorry, that's funny. <laughs> what are you guys laughing about? It's 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 so uh, you're right. Um, what do you mean? Teen Titans is a DC. No, book. they're going. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm reviewing. Uh, I'm reviewing the X Men Teen Titans crossover from 1982 because that's what I read after this to get because it was a good book. Unlike Spider Man and the X Men, which sucked ass. Oh. <laughs> Even with Stegron yes. in it. Oh, this is a horrible misuse of Stegron. Oh. oh, I thought it was kind of fun. This book, I don't even know what the hell it's supposed to be. It, well, Wolverine's dead, and he and his will said, "Spider-Man, teach the kids." So, uh, so the kids are okay. He, Spider-Man's having to teach a group of mutants, you know, because apparently the X-Men are short on mutant teachers all of a sudden. <laughs> so there's a team of junior in training mutant wannabe X-Men or whatever. Oh yeah, that's one a of special class. What? Yeah, oh boy. <laughs> are they <laughs> one of them is called Ernst who looks like an old lady with pigtails another guy uh, named Trevor is called Eyeboy uh, who has his his power is having eyes all over his face and hands presumably all over his body um, the other one's name is Glob and he's like this transparent guy like yeah you see he's pink that's actually a Grant Morrison creation by the way yeah, that didn't surprise me. That, yeah, that, that makes all the goddamn sense on Earth now. Um, another one is uh, No Girl, which is a brain that's floating in a jar. That was that, also uh, Ernst, person. the old man with pigtails, uh, apparently, uh, can you know, communicate with. 
Um, no. Another guy named Halion, who I, from what I can tell, is just an insufferable prick. Uh, <laughs> Shark Girl. And Shart. Shart. No, Shart. Shart. I said Shark, Brett. I thought you said no. Shart. <laughs> no. That'd be, that'd, I'm surprised I didn't after reading this. That'd be a bad mutant power, Shart Girl. <laughs> I'm surprised there's not one of these in the class. <laughs> and uh, and then the, so yeah so there's Shark Girl who is literally a humanoid shark with yeah. an attitude uh, and um, and Rockslide who is like a a big rocky bruiser type with low grade narcolepsy <laughs> so um, literally that's the team uh, and Spider Man and Spider Man Spider Man is their teacher. Uh, at one point, he's unpacking his bags and putting his clothes away. And Nightcrawler, who apparently now is five. No, actually, those are the Bamps. Those are Bamps. They're like mini Nightcrawlers. There's like more than one of them. They actually come from hell or They're something. It's complicated. Uh huh. Okay. So, <laughs> so he keeps uh, hiding Spider-Man's clothes. Uh, Spidey starts teaching class. The kids are typical teenagers. Um, it's all pretty pretentious and idiotic. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I was reading this, and I was like, this is what Brad tells tells me I should read. Apparently, Brad hates me. <laughs> no, I like this book. I mean, Stop. I, stop right. right now. <laughs> oh, it has your my. favorite villain in it. Brad, putting my favorite people in a book doesn't mean I'm going to like it. doesn't mean I want to read it. There's a Hobgoblin well, it, miniseries that apparently I'm prejudiced against. <laughs> Just because I don't want to see Roddy, you know, portrayed as a buffoon, I, I I like more the criminal mastermind Roddy, not the Tony, you know, Robbins uh, Roddy. Okay. I, I don't know why Ernst is this old man <laughs> with pigtails wearing a freaking skirt. <laughs> I don't know what the hell that's about. Don't no, don't care. <laughs> but they're fighting Sentinels. Spider Man's having them fight Sentinels in the danger room. George, is this worse than um, New Warriors? It can't be. It really can't New be. New Warriors at least followed a narrative. Oh. This is not good. Oh. So eventually okay. they decide to take a field trip. They go to a uh, natural uh, history museum. There's all sorts of dinosaur skeletons and everything. And, of course, the kids are standing out like freaks. Um, and then Spider-Man suddenly realizes that Stegron is in attendance, and Stegron throws off his coat and hat, you know, because a coat and hat can shield you when you're a goddamn half-man, half-dinosaur. Where was he hold? Where was he hiding his tail? For F's sake! It worked for Ben Stop. Graham. Stop right now. So um, this is a Stegron story that George. Hates. Well, no, it, the it, world is it's ending. Not a good story, and it, and okay. this this whole thing with the old man in the skirt and the pigtails and the kid <laughs> eyes all over his goddamn body, the giant you know bruiser rock guy that can't stay the f away, <sighs> the half shark girl. So all the all the kids take you out of it. Also, probably the setup it's of just, Spider-Man so, being a teacher of so goddamn distracting. So then they all attack. Um, they all attack Stegron. They're like, "Spider-Man, what should we do? What's the plan?" He's like, "I don't know. I've never led a team before." And I'm like, "God damn it!" <laughs> no, but you fought Stegron before, moron. <laughs> I will note though that you know, just 
true to form, uh, the first thing that that happens in the fight is Spider-Man gets hit by the tail. I knew it. I knew you would like that. Has no counter to the tail. Exactly. But then, uh, boom! Down with the, the tail. The kids attack him at one point. Shark Girl and Spider-Man throw the sleeping rock guy at him, and he breaks the rock guy's hand off. <laughs> Which no one even makes a reference to. <laughs> like, oh well, I'm just missing a hand. I guess that's Tuesday. <laughs> then Sauron of the uh, of X Men Infamy uh, bursts in. You know, he's another dinosaur themed guy. He's not not he's no Stegron, but I mean, he's Sauron. Do you like Sauron? <laughs> yeah, he's all right. Yeah, okay. Um, he he busts in. Spidey tries to web him. Sauron, you know. Carries him around the museum, breaking apart dinosaur skeletons, while uh, while the old man with pigtails and a miniskirt tries to square off against Stegron. <laughs> it's just it's some of the goofiest crap I've I've read in recent memory, and I, I don't I don't know what the target audience is for this. Spider Man and X Men fans who like reading about morons. <laughs> I mean, really, it's just stupid. So the basic premise of Spider-Man teaching a bunch of mutants, you can't get behind. I can if it's done if it's told straightforwardly and seriously, yeah. but th- this is not it. This is can't teach normal kids though. That's this is this is this is yeah yeah I can't do that because you know it's aging him. Well, it's basically he, him living up, to, him fulfilling Wolverine's will is what I, it is. But you I, just don't I like guess. it. The cast. Wolverine's dead because comics. I guess I don't you know. <laughs> so anyway. Um, Stegron and Sauron beat uh, beat Spider Man, and uh, these uh, these teenage misfits uh, <laughs> they rope them to trees and then say, "Welcome to the new Savage Land." Spidey's like, "That's that's Staten Island," and then that's tune in next time for more idiocy. The F F this gets a F U. Oh, really? An F? <laughs> this is horrible. I, I would have given it a C, but an F. Well, I know, Brad, really you would give it a B just because you like a damn cover. Well, yeah, well, you got yeah. me there, George. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> As a Stegron fan, though, this is a slap in the face. He has scaly man boobs in here all of a sudden, and I don't know. He does. Yes, and I don't know where that comes from. Oh, oh I didn't notice that. Okay. <laughs> all right. I, I guess it's my turn uh, off of that. I thought you would have liked it. Man, I can't judge. Uh, all new X-Men number 34, right? Is that what? Yeah. Yeah, 34. Written by Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, art by Muhammad Asar. Uh, As- Asrar. Okay. Uh, Miles is front and center on the cover. You're expecting a lot of Miles in this book. You would be wrong. Uh, Miles and Jean Grey break into the ultimate X-Men's old mansion that's been deserted. Uh, the ultimate Jean Grey mind melds with the 1960s Jean Grey that's trapped in the current continuity. Following? Okay. The 1960s Jean Grey passes out in Miles' arms. The subplots include the Beast meeting with the Ultimate Doctor Doom, X-23, learning that the mutants were created in the Ultimate Universe, not a genetic creation. Uh, Iceman fights the Mole Man. Uh, This is a podcast about Spider-Man. Let's get back to Spider-Man. Miles and sits in the kitchen while the 1960s Jean Grey uses Cerebro to find the missing mutant that put them in the different dimensions. 
pro-Iceman subplot where he's melting in Atlanta and uses the police car's air conditioner to escape. That was a pro. Again, not a Spider-related pro. Uh, a con. There's not much miles in this issue at all, even though he's front and center, and the book is $4. Uh, you would think that they would use a little bit of miles to sell, since they're trying to sell his appearance in this, but they didn't. And not a fan of visiting the dying Ultimate Universe storyline. C out of me. Okay, uh, what else we got? We've got Axis. We need to talk about Axis. Mike, take me to Axis number eight with a big carnage appearance. Okay. And Spider-Man. Now, a little bit of a backstory, a little bit of a takeoff on where we're going going with this issue. Okay, so of okay. course with the inverted uh, hero, heroes and villains and stuff. Um, and this thing, because Apoc- I guess the X-Men in- are inverted, they're led by Apocalypse, although why the non-inverted X-Men are going along with him, I don't know. But they apparently he's created a gene bomb, which is going to eliminate all non-mutants. And so the inverted evil Avengers are trying to stop him and stuff. And while there's this gene bomb there, um, I guess, Cap, he's got all of his, I guess, the inverted villains as Avengers, and they're going to try to stop both sides, and, well, that's where we pick up with this issue. So, Spidey, um, this is where the Spidey part comes in, he's trying to he's right. trying to disable this gene bomb, and so he's trying to work out the Celestial language, and it's really not working, so he says, well, I'm going to have to use brute force, and he tries to, you know, try to rip it out, but it doesn't work, and then that's when Carnage comes in, and, of course, mm-hmm. he's, of course, all inverted and stuff. He says, and he's saying about how I don't know about, you know, he doesn't know about the bombs, he says, but, and he tells him that, you know, no amount, of, tells Spidey that there's no way, there's no amount of webbing you can stop it. But the only thing that can hold him back is himself. And so he uses his symbiote power goop stuff to basically encase his himself completely over the, um, over the gene bomb. And then he's saying that, and Spidey's like, this is going to kill you if you do this. He says, well, and he's saying, well, the world's better off without me and stuff. Because I've, there's no one in my family has done um, a good thing and stuff like that. And so this is going to be um, my penance and stuff. And so, and I'm going to, do, and I want you, Spidey, to do one last favor for me. And I'm going to read you this favor, what this favor is. This is, this is crazy. Okay. You build me to build a giant memorial in my honor, made out of gold and jewels and rhinestones draped in the Confederate flag, right in the middle of bleeding hot New York, liberal New York City. And I want it playing Leonard Skeebird, free, Skinner Freebird round the clock. Because if I leave here tomorrow, <laughs> would you still remember me? Yeah. And this bird you cannot change. Oh, Lord, I can't change. And so, well, that's how God there's Almighty cigarettes. W-T-F. <laughs> yes. There's cigarette lighters up in the air. That's why I never had a singing career. And so, he got... Play me some Skinner. Yeah, he, so he goes out singing Leonard Skinner's Freebird as the bomb yeah. blows up. And... <laughs> But here's the deal. Yeah. He asked Spider-Man to make the shrine, and what does Spider-Man say? Okay. Yeah, I promise. I'll do it. And by the way, spoilers, he Spider-Man does. does. He actually does Spider- in the next issue. Yes. In the next issue, he's started to make the shrine. The shrine. 
of the gold statue with the rhinestones and jewels of the Confederate flag, and you know, going to play the free, going to play Litter's Good Freebird. Yes, that's okay. Go ahead. And well, about that in just a second. My goodness. Oh yeah, and that this is yeah, and so the comic is up with with the Spider Office. I don't know. They'll it's like they'll just publish any goddamn thing. Really? I mean, think, well, of the, is, think of the think of the book. I, I, I think of what Mike is talking about right now. I, I think that this was. Uh, I think that that one that you just mentioned was X Men Office, and I think this was Avengers Office. This wasn't even had the Spider Office in, involved. This is Rick Remender's, by the way. This is the Uncanny this Avengers. Is Uncanny like, Avengers. You know, the yeah. going forward after this thing. This is you know. Because yeah, the rest of the issue it just goes downhill from here. <laughs> it's not really spider spider related. Why is I the Spider that... Office stepping in saying stop? <laughs> right. Because somebody's sorry, drunk at work mean, again. I didn't, oh. I didn't mean to cut you off. How how unca- uncharacteristic is th- for Spider Man to say yes? I will build a memorial to you in yeah, the middle and of that New- specific New- memorial by the way made of and gold with the Confederate it. flag. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, and that's he agrees not, yeah. to that to one of his mortal enemies. Granted, he's sacrificing himself, mm-hmm. but Spider-Man was like, finally, you did something good, but I'm not even going to honor yeah, you like that's that. I don't, I, I don't think he – it made him a, a wimp. Oh, yeah. An absolute wimp, a pushover. It's absurd. Yeah, it's it's just – Absurd. It's just, I mean, because, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, and the fact that he's honoring, like, anything, it's like, it's it should be one of those things if you were actually – if he was actually in character, he goes, um – uh, oh, okay, like he's like can't believe like he actually requested that of all things, but it's like taken straight. That's the thing. These guys are so much bullshit right now being printed. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, this old. This oh, I don't buy anything. Oh, Axis in general was just a big steaming pile of train wreck from beginning to end. And that and the I, thing is, it's, this is what this was a this is supposed to be a big story going forward too. I mean, what what the influencing, but. Just the the sheer out of character Spider Man in this just was shocking. oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well just shocking yeah Jesus Christ to me. what's the grade oh gosh this is a, this, <laughs> this that, by the way what I just taught, described what that was the only decent scene in this entire issue I would agree actually <laughs> <laughs> because oh my gosh I, would just, agree. I mean you got you got stuff about you know the the unworthy fourth fighting apocalypse oh. and. Oh, and yeah, it's just, and going it's, to different the moon and there's like oh and uh, yeah. there's rogue fighting claw and oh and apparently the red skull's face was bleached to a bone white because that's how inversion no. works and okay uh, yeah let's just let's just move on come yeah, on yeah this is this is D this is D minus all over it I'm D minus oh, wow. that oh, sounds like an yeah. F come oh. on. Well, that's because I only I only give it a I'm not giving it this F because of that one Spider Man scene. Actually, that's about that. But oh that really that is the only decent scene out of that whole. Oh, game. You're as bad as Brad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh great! Now I'm an insult. <laughs> <laughs> you are an insult. What was great. it? What was it in Kingpin? You're a you just pulled a Munson. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> the movie. Yeah. Uh, let's keep with Axis a little okay. bit. Uh, Hobgoblin number three. And now Mike, we actually up. go to a tie-in of this, which yeah. honestly is surprisingly well, I think is surprisingly well done. Now, I agree. So now, for those of you who have been following the series, we know that um, one of, uh, you know, the, uh, the now heroic Hobgoblins, uh, Hob Heroes, uh, who goes by the name of, um, who is um, John Myers, a.k.a. Missile Mate. 
he's got in touch yeah. with uh, Phil Yurick, you know, who now is calling himself the Goblin King, too. And they've worked out a plan to assassinate Kinsley in public because he's, he's doing this big live, you know, mayor key to the city type of thing. And in their corner is also uh, working with uh, Phil Yurick and everything is actually uh, Lily Hollister has actually seemingly has went over back to their side and everything because she, because Phil Yurick told her about who she used to be and everything. And so she's now says, oh, I'm on board. So they go. So so Phil Yurick said, tells, you know, missile mate does you got to kill Kinsley yourself to prove your loyalty. But you have to make sure it's really him. Because there's a problem. As anyone knows about the Hobgoblin, knows that any time a Hobgoblin has died, it's always been somebody under the mask. It's never been Kinsley. And that's the, also, by the way, that's the other reason why the, why the police, the authorities, haven't arrested Kinsley, even though he's supposedly good. It's because there were so many people who were the Hobgoblin over the years, they can't pin anything on him. And that's why the mayor is apparently doing this to pardon all of his crimes and basically declaring Hobgoblin Day in front of in front of New York City National Holiday. So, so yeah. So then, so then Kinsley he gets up on. So he so the mayor introduces Kinsley and Kinsley's up there and he's you ready to thank the crowd and everything. And he's talking about how he has these um, official badges that his hob that his hob heroes wear with it has his screening mug on and everything like this is this shows you your official member and everything and then everything. it's like avengers yeah yeah you know, jacket jackets yeah, in the 90s, like these big yeah giant lapel button type things so right or, or like star trek communicators right. and so as as yeah. as as a hot as a crazy is going on missile mate he's kind of like thinking okay i gotta wait for him to take <laughs> off his mask and take off his mask and while this is going on he's sweating something fierce in fact he sweats so bad he fogs up his mask <laughs> And so he has to um, take it off and everything. And so finally, Kinsley takes off his hobgoblin mask and reveals the crowd that's him. And so this is Super Missile Mate. He whips out uh, Phil Yurk's like flaming sword, and he does like a Spartan 300 leap <laughs> with the sword over his head going, Die, Kinsley! And of course, there's a whole panel of him coming down, coming down, coming down with the sword. And then, whoosh, passes through Kinsley, Except it goes through him unharmed because it turns out Kinsley knew about this uh, this assassination attempt, <clears throat> so he implanted a hologram underneath the podium of himself, and so and so it basically and so he says and he also tells the guy Bissell May says but noticing your choice of weapon I can see you don't travel in the smartest of circles, and so he decides he says, and because you're with. Phil Yurick, you deserve to die, and he basically tries to shoot him. But that's when Kinsley, that's when um, uh, Phil Yurick comes in, and that's when he brings out all of his D-list, uh, the D-list heroes that used to work with the Green Goblin back during Goblin Stan Slot's Goblin Nation, including the Eight Ball and all these other guys. And so there's a big powwow between those D-listers and the Hob heroes, and literally night 17 seconds in. Phil Yurick goes, wait, stop the battle. You know, this has gone long enough. We have to cease fire. And then Hobgoblin's like, oh, that must be like a record. And so they're fighting, they're trash talking everything. And then there's one point where, you know, he destroys part of um, Phil Yurick's mask. And he tells him, he says, and Phil Yurick tells him that you couldn't even beat, defeat Osborne and you won't defeat me. And so 
Roderick intensely goes, well, if you're still so desperate to become an Osborne, well, they says, why don't I help you out? And he smashes his goblin glider into Yurik and pins him to a tree, you know, like the classic Green Goblin thing. And so as Kinsley is explaining about how he knew about this plan, Lily Hollister is sneaking up on him, on, uh, on Kinsley, and she looks like she's going to grab him. And so Yurik is all smiling and saying, oh, see you in hell, Kinsley. And Kinsley goes, oh, what? You mean Lily? Oh, who do you think told me about your plan? So it turns out she'd betray, she did a double cross on Phil, and she basically says, you know, I, we may, she tells Phil, we may have shared a bond, but, you know, I think that, you know, I'm glad I forgot it, basically. She, she's basically telling him, you know, I'm, I'm working with the good guys now and it's everything like this. And so, and so Phil York's like, oh, but I'm still going to win, and he's like, passes out. And that's when Missile Mate comes back, and he's really pissed off at this point. He says, what have you done? You've ruined everything. I was going to be the new Goblin Knight. And then Kinsley goes, yes, but now you're just a loser. And, um, <laughs> and so... Missile Mate's going to decide. He's basically, apparently, he's rigged all those hobo hob badges, those, those ba- uh, the hobgoblin signet badges with explosives, and that he's going to blow them all up. And then Kinsley's like going, wow, I'm actually impressed. You know, I didn't think you actually, you know, had it into you and stuff. He says, you, you pretty much figured out that you were going to tarnish my rep. Yet I, you, I would not harm my teammates and be, without, um, and I would have to let you go and stuff. Unless I take out my take out my teammates himself, and he does. He mm-hmm. throws pumpkin bombs at him and blows up his own men. Right. Yeah, and then he starts laughing maniacally and basically saying how you, you know you were a fool. I was still evil all along and everything. I would take out my own team. And this is when you know missile mates like, oh my gosh, you're insane. And and take the deader and he does like the whole we're not worthy bow towards him because yeah right. and so. This the SWAT team comes in and they're thinking, oh, oh, you know, they're trying to. You know, we thought we could trust you, Kinsley, and Kinsley's like, oh, don't worry about it. See, during the during when when I chased, during the ceasefire when I chased all the bad guys when we chased all the bad guys away, I replaced all my hob heroes with holograms, and so none of them are harmed. And they were asking him about DNA evidence and stuff, and so. And so they're saying, well, I don't want to give away my secret or anything. Well, anyway, the conclusion of the issue is the old man, the old version of Steve Rogers comes to Kinsley and offers him a spot on the Avengers, essentially. <laughs> and so that, that's, how, that's how it leads into access and everything in the main series. So, um, yeah, pros, um, I just kind of like the whole, the, how the fact that Kinsley, even though he's supposedly a good guy, he's still the manipulative bastard that he is and that he's still trying to, and all this stuff. And also I kind of do like the... Um, the art style here by um, oh the um, let's see where the you know the, oh gosh the art help me out here with the uh, with the uh, oh, oh, I can't, oh, oh I can't. it's Javier Rodriguez that's right uh, right yeah. Um, yeah. yeah and then also if there is a con I I'm not sure if it's a little bit too um, <clears throat> it's not as I think it's, it's it, I, I'll probably give it about a B plus actually because it's not quite as um, there's a little bit too much of the kind of like I think it's a little bit too much of like the you know Oh, I knew everything. Oh, one husbandship kind of stuff and everything. A little bit too much. But and there's no way Captain America offers. Oh no, no, no. I mean, he adventures. That was awful. Yeah, but they had to try to tie it into Axis somehow and everything. I know it, but but, yeah, it's just. But yeah, keeping. No, go ahead. I mean, I was just going to say that as a series overall, I think it's a it's an interesting take on Kinsley because 
the idea is because it's not so much that he's a hero because he's doing it out of the goodness of his own heart. He just realizes he could make a better, bigger profit out of doing his franchise right. deal. So that's like exactly. I kind of like that angle to it, stuff like that. So I've got two more reviews that tie into Axis. I'll do them fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Inhuman number eight, uh, written by Charles Soule, art by Ryan Stegman, who had a run on uh, uh, Superior Spider-Man. And amazing. Uh, the plot, Medusa goes to the United Nations to tell them that she won't abide by inspections of the new Italian. Uh, she's uh, inverted due to Axis, so she's evil. And so her hair is up in braids, and it's very long, and she's in kind of a dominatrix-looking outfit. And so she threatens all of the United Nations members that uh, I've been around long before you guys were drawing on cave walls. Who are you to tell me that I need inspections? So I might just uh, take you out right now. And Spider-Man appears uh, through the ceiling uh, with the uh, in the United Nations building in New York and says, Hey, babe, you having a bad hair day? And Medusa then says, uh, then they pr- proceed to fight. Medusa says, if Cap and Thor can't shut me down, Spidey, you are no threat. Uh, she'll so- show Spidey how inhumans handle Avengers. So she throws Spider-Man into the East River. He comes out quipping and says he's going to need a shower and about a few hundred vaccines at the hospital. Thanks a lot, babe. Uh, so Spidey then webs her up by the strands of her hair up on the wall. He says, don't worry about these webs. Uh, just a little peanut butter and uh, maybe some ice. My aunt always gets webbing out with uh, ice in her hair. Uh, so Spidey's then hit off the uh, side of the building, and, and he's like, he snarks a little bit and says, oh, I'm falling. Psych, just kidding. He webs himself back up. Uh, he informs Medusa that Cap asked Spider-Man to come check on her mental health and, uh, quote, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Oh, <laughs> now, wait a minute, God wait a minute, wait a minute. Damn. So uh, he's quipping. He's quippage. His Spider-Man quips. I like the quippage. That's stupid, uh, Brad. I'm sorry. <laughs> Cap was uh, informed by one of Medusa's own that she's not mentally well. So she goes back and she talks to Gorgon and Triton and says, who made the call to Cap? Uh, and Gorgon was like, you know, I did. And Triton, we did. And I, I think you need to... Check yourself. No, I didn't say that. Anyway, uh, so she knocks them out and leaves a new Italian to them, and she says, uh, you can have this place. I'm done. The pros. I think Soul, Charles Soul, nails Spider-Man's sense of humor. By calling I like babe the, and, says, and saying, check yourself before you wreck yourself? I added the I added the babe. He did say, uh, check yourself oh, before you wreck God. yourself. I thought the webbing in the hair was witty. I thought uh, Spider-Man uh, talking about peanut butter in the hair was funny. I like him snarking by, oh, yeah, I'm going to fall off the building. No, I'm not. I thought that was very funny. I liked it a lot. Um, let's see. Spider-Man has, I wrote, Spider-Man's funny, corny, and it's action-packed. Uh, I think Soul is a good candidate to replace Dan Slott. I've been enjoying the new uh, Inhumans book. Um, so much so that I'm going to read the second Inhumans book that's going to focus on Black Bolt, also written by Charles Soule. So you want the guy who wrote Check Yourself Before You Wreck Yourself to take over on Amazing Spider-Man. You're basing eight issues on one sentence. Don't wow. do it. All right. Uh, I like him. Bottom line. Uh, great Stegman art. I liked Stegman when he did some Spider-Man previously, and this uh, is Spider-Man uh, holds up. Con. I thought one problem I had with the issue, it ended, the fight with Spider-Man and, and Medusa ended 
fairly quickly, but I understand you're running out of time. You got to wrap it up. But I didn't like how it ended. When you have Spider-Man fight someone or a villain, Spider-Man does not let them just walk away. Otherwise, they go and kill his family members. <laughs> you know, and with this one, uh, Medusa just kind of walked away from it, and it wasn't natural. And I, I think he could have been maybe passed out or something, or knocked out, and she could have escaped that way. I just don't like the idea of him hanging on the side of the wall and watching her walk away to do bad things. That was that's what took it from an A to a B for me. So, Inhuman number eight gets a B. I recommend an Inhuman series, especially if you're watching the Agents of Shield story. Uh, on, on ABC. Another Axis tie-in that had Spider-Man in it. Evidently, he's going to be a regular member of this book, so it'll be on our uh, regular satellite reviews. Captain America and the Avengers number three, written by Al Ewing. Art by one of Zack's favorite, Luke Ross, who penciled uh, Spider-Man back in the uh, 90s during the Clone Saga. Yeah, right? yeah he, he did that. Uh, he also uh, he started during the Clone Saga, but he, he was mainly uh, before the reboot. And he replaced Sal Sal Buscema on... And his artwork is a lot different now than it used to be. And it's improved, because I I didn't like the Luke Ross in the 90s, but you did. I think we've discussed that before. Plot, inverted Luke Cage has left his Mighty Avengers team, and uh, the inverted, or a.k.a. the superior Iron Man says that the Mighty Avengers team are in breach of Avengers contract, and they can't be Avengers anymore. And so what happens? A fight ensues. Uh, Spider-Man shows up in the middle of the fight, catches Captain America's shield that was thrown by the Falcon, who is now the new Captain America. Uh, Spidey catches the shield mid-flight with a web and says, uh, Hey, kids, break this up. And he, as he holds the shield in his arm, he, pr- he proceeds to lecture the inverted Avengers that we're supposed to not use overwhelming force to protect their authority when they're in the wrong. And he says, Tony and Sam, you're all wrong and you know it, so back off or you can come through me. Because I'm an Avenger and this is what we are. And that is the Spider-Man I know. That one, he is standing up to Thor, Captain America, and Iron Man, and says, bring it. And he says, uh, you know what, where did that come from? I guess holding this shield really brings it out of you, is what Spider-Man said. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Uh, and Iron Man says, well, if you insist, and he, and he throws a beam at Spider-Man's way, but uh, Phantom, a.k.a. Captain Marvel, a.k.a. Monica, uh, wrecks Tony's suit, loses his arm, Wasp then whispers, who's also inverted, whispers in the inverted Thor's ear that uh, you might not win this fight against Monica and the Blue Marvel. And uh, so the, the inverted Avengers walk off, and and the issue kind of wraps up, and Monica says, uh, welcome to the team, Spider-Man, uh, because he originally, in issue one of Captain America and the Avengers, was rejected by Cage, because he was when he was on that team previously, he was Doc Ock. So Spidey then says it's important uh, to be have an Avengers team and keep an eye on the bad ones, because he knows what being written out of character is like. (laughs) And he says he knows what it's like if a villain wrecks your life. Okay, B out of me. I like that one. The Spider-Man pep talk was the best thing in the issue. We don't see this in Amazing Spider-Man, where he is willing to take him on by himself. 
a threat like the Juggernaut, like Fire Lord, etc. He was willing to take on Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor uh, because they were in the wrong. I liked that. I liked seeing Spider-Man hold the shield and rally the troops to keep fighting the inverted bad guys. The con, there's a couple uh, I didn't mention, but there's a couple confusing subplots with villains in the book, etc. That's really not going anywhere. But I originally dropped this book... Um, but after I- reading issue number three, that Spider-Man's on the team, I have since added it to my pull list. This issue three is the best issue of so far of the relaunch of this. Okay, we've got what I think George. We've got a Guardians of the Galaxy with Venom. We need to hit sort hit that of up. with Venom. <laughs> yeah, with Groot Venom and Rocket. Kinda. Venom. <laughs> All right, uh, as is the case uh, with uh, our Guardians of the Galaxy review, it basically boils down to what did Venom do. <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. We could bore you with the details of what's going, of what Bendis is doing or trying to do with uh, the rest of the Guardians of the Galaxy. But in a nutshell, the symbiote uh, last time we saw had attached itself to Groot. Uh, obviously, what does he say? I'm Venom, Groot. I, no, is he just says I am Venom. I am Venom. That's what he said. Okay. Uh, fight breaks out between the rest of the Guardians. Uh, they fight a lot. Uh, it's starting to affect the ship, and then uh, eventually uh, Star-Lord and the others are able to get the symbiote off of Groot, but uh, eventually it just winds up on Rocket Raccoon. And uh, they it's on Rocket Raccoon. He tries to hijack the ship, but then the symbiote uh, jumps over from Rocket over to, uh, over to, uh, uh, to Drax. And at the end, you just see a Venom.Drax going, Arg. And that's it. That's not much, is it? And that that was a quick. We read. had uh, Welch Bendis. I mean, it's not going to take. <laughs> I mean, that was you a know, damn quick I mean, read when I read it. Right. Oh, man. It's Bendis. I mean, that's why I did my other two reca- my uh, two Ultimate Spider-Man recaps like it, that. And hell, half of the dialogue is just fluff. Mm-hmm. So right. uh, Flash did make an appearance. Flash is uh, asleep in a bed. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, much oh, the entire time. Again, I yeah. emphasize there's no goddamn point in having Venom in this book. There is, uh, other than Bendis wants to do a symbiote, plan of the symbiote story, that's fine. They didn't need Venom for it. I'll be straight up honest with you. They did not need Venom for a planet of the symbiote story. Oh, but but speaking of Venom, did you see what the latest update for, for Venom is? Yeah, I meant to put that on the front page, the new Venom suit. Yeah, you guys it's seen? okay. No, I haven't seen this. What's happening? It looks rough. It's not Wait, good. Do you have a link? Let me see this thing. Okay. Wait. I don't have a link. I don't have a link. Yeah. Do you have any pros of the book, George? And and a big old fan. No. I like Rocket Raccoon. He's cool. I don't <laughs> <laughs> what would your grade be on that one, buddy? Uh, this is a C. Yeah. It's a quick... Uh, for four bucks, you don't get much out of this book. No. Nope. I mean, you really don't. Speaking of uh, eight bucks I spent, let's wrap this podcast up with two of the worst books of the month. <laughs> and guess, guess what those are? Ultimate 10 and all, all new Ultimates number 10. Written by Michael Fiffy, Art by Amakar Pena. Uh, plot, Diamondback gets... Diamondback is Captain America's girlfriend in the uh, 90s, in the 616. Diamondback... Uh, gets Miles Morales' attention after he saved a family in a car accident. He's basically lifting the car up and getting a family out. She says, you know, I really didn't want to join that Serpent Skulls team, 
Uh, I, the writer just made me do it. So now uh, they're going after me for some reason in my family. So then she kisses Miles Morales. and The best line of the book is when she says, wow, tongue over mask. Interesting. Uh, I thought that was kind of funny. So Miles is French a little bit. Uh, so then uh, she then gets hit in the head with a dart. <laughs> kind of like the reader. By the taskmaster. And the taskmaster hops down and then takes Spider-Man out with one dart in the head. And then he was like, oh, okay. So let's go visit uh, Kitty Pride and Black Widow, the spider clone. And... Um, he decides to hit those two in the head with a dart. It's that's the running thing. Okay, there's a uh, there's some there's there's some people that uh, really we don't care. It's just fluff of this book. Uh, his name is Terry Schrecht. He's the reanimated detective corpse that we met. Who who the hell ever knows? And Bridget O'Reilly is a detective. And and also there's another O'Reilly uh, really Bridget O'Reilly. Yes. There's also another subplot with Ecstasy and Mr. Jip, which sounds like a bad porn. Ecstasy and Mr. Jip, they're plotting, they're plotting, etc. Mr. Jip, really one of the most spare X-Men villains <laughs> has ever been around. <laughs> I, that's, that's really, the, Mr. Jip is the reader because we are Jip from a good story. Oh. Uh, Taskmaster then decides to load the whole team. He took out the whole team with some darts. It's like he went down to the club. Let's play a game of darts and, and pop them all in the heads. So he loads uh, Spider-Man and Diamond back into the back of a van, and there's candy back there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, as he loads the, the people in the van, he notices he also adds Black Widow and Kitty Pride into the back of the van, and we realize that in the back of the van, this is a huge van evidently, that uh, Cloak and Dagger are also in the back of the van. So essentially the, he's taken out the whole team by playing a game of darts. And, um, <laughs> God, am I really saying this? So um, as he's shutting the van door, uh, Sidewinder uh, from the Serpent Society has uh, outsmarted the uh, Taskmaster and steals the van. And, <laughs> and he was like, no, stop, no, stop, that's my van, what are you doing? Anyway, Sidewinder is out to bring Diamond back, uh, I don't know why. Anyway, Bombshell uh, just happens to appear. Uh, she notices that Kitty and Black Widow were hit with darts, she follows Taskmaster down, uh, says, uh, then she chases the van. So you have Bombshell on the last page throwing bombs at Taskmaster as Sidewinder is running away with the van. Okay, that ends the issue. Pro, as I said, tongue over mask was clever. Or tongue under mask, I guess. I thought that was a funny line. Uh, anyway, uh, the con, this place, this is all over the place. I don't care about Mr. Jip. I don't care about Ecstasy. I don't care about Terry Shrek, the reanimated dead detective corpse. I don't care about Bridget O'Reilly and her awful, awful name and her detective and their porn-sounding names. I am tired of Bombshell going ten issues brooding over a person named Poey. She's still pissed. I'm pissed that we're still talking about Poey. Again, I think die? I'm exactly. issue one, oh I think. Yeah, he died issue ten, one. 
Skin oh issues. I am Mr. Jip because I'm gypped of having to deal with poor, poor Poe. Bombshell, get over it. He's a comic character. He'll be back. Anyway, grade D minus. Whoa. Okay. Oh. Whoa, that's shocking. This entire time I, I could have sworn you would have given this an A. <laughs> uh, tongue I over the you mask. Were racing towards an A. Tongue under the mask saved it from an F. Okay. Saved so, 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 so. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, last issue of this podcast. All New God. Ultimates, number, number, what is uh, Number 11. Okay. Written again by Mr. Mr. Michael Fifey. Art by Amakar Pena. Diamondback, in the back of the van, that has. <laughs> Taskmaster running after it with bombshell thr- bombshell throwing bombs at his ass with what's his name Sidewinder driving it. Diamondback says, "Hey Spidey, I got a Diamondback here. Cut these ropes off. We'll be fine." Anyway, he says, "Hey, thanks, babe." And so he Diamondback <laughs> cuts the ropes from his arms and breaks free because you know Spider-Man just couldn't break free of ropes, could he? Yeah, he could. Anyway, he says, I, I, hey, Diamondback, you know, that's, I appreciate the kiss. I appreciate the diamond. But you know what? I'm not going to untie your ass. You're on your own. So he unties every member of his team except Diamondback. Anyway, uh, let's go to the exterior of this running crazy van. Bombshell is now on top of the van surfing with Taskmaster <laughs> as they fight on top of this van. And it crashes. But before it crashes, Cloak teleports outside uh, and says, oh, I'm going to save you all. So he teleports all of his friends and the van before it crashes. It, and he teleports his friends not onto the ground, not onto the, 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 the sidewalk or anything. He teleports all of his friends into the river. <laughs> Why would Cloak do that? He could teleport anywhere. Why would he get all of his friends wet? Because the van's headed towards the water. What? <laughs> okay. Uh, Diamondback uh, comes out of the water, and she goes, "Oh, Poe, <laughs> Diamondback, you you killed my boyfriend, Poe, and I'm going to threaten to kill you. And you know what?" No one's got. You know what? I'm not even going to do it because no one would be around to miss you. Like I'm missing Poe for eleven fucking issues. All right. Wow. So, uh, Cloak throws Taskmaster into the water, and uh, I guess Spider-Man captures Taskmaster and brings him back out of the water. There, all the heroes are wet, kind of like this wet blanket of a book. Uh, and Taskmaster, they were like, Taskmaster, buddy, why are you after us? Why are you shooting us in the heads with darts? And he says, you know what the deal is? Roxon hired me. You know why? Because you are all are the property of Roxon. The spider that bit Peter and created you, Miles, that was owned by Roxon. I thought it was owned by Osborne, but I guess not. Uh, spider Woman, you're, you're, you're a clone, your property. The Cloak and Dagger, you were, you were created with uh, Roxon drugs or whatever. Anyway, Roxon wants you back, they're, they're your property. Okay, cut to Mr. Jip. Mr. Jip decides to get, take an overdose, so he gets all drugged up. And kind of, kind of like the Sin Eater in the Carnage miniseries, when someone gets uh, so much energy inside them, what happens, boys? They explode. 
No, no, no. Well, you're you're getting there. He he gets bigger. He gr- he gets uh, he becomes giant man size. And so all the heroes around. that are. I know. There's a lot of big big. He he took the Marvel universe Viagra and he got bigger. So the and so he gets huge and he starts wrecking the city like Godzilla. Uh, someone says to Kitty Pride, "You have experience with giant things attacking the city. Let's go take Kitty over there." Okay. All the heroes are still wet. So uh, they fight Mr. Jip in their set, their penultimate get it issue, uh, and they're fighting and they're fighting and they they're like I don't think we can take on Mr. Jip because this team can get taken out by a set of darts. Uh, so it just so happens that uh, Detective from the previous issue, Mr. Terry Schrecht the reanimated detective corpse, and Bridget O'Reilly, in the space of issue 11 and 12, have formed a team. <laughs> and can you guess what the name of that team is that is, has uh, a, a 616 alternative? What do you the think Warriors. the name of this oh, team? They're not the New Warriors, the no. They're not the Defenders. There's already the Defenders. Oh, okay. think, think 90s books that just came out. Marvel oh. has just published not damage. Publishing the not damage control, is it? Not they're not damage Force control. Works? One more guess and reveal it. What is it? Forceworks. No, it's not Forceworks. <laughs> it's Terror Inc. Oh, they my call gosh. it Terror Inc. <laughs> they have a reanimated corpse on the team. Oh, He's a zombie. That's right. Oh my god. So it's Terror Inc. It shows and Terror Inc. and the detective O'Reilly have a couple other random people in this book that has so many characters that you don't shit about. Uh, the Pro, there's only one more issue left for me to review. Con, there's too many damn people in here, and poor, poor effing Poey. Uh, I also wrote Con, Terror Inc., really? Mr. Jip, really? Uh, another Con, Crossbones, and Taskmaster look very freaking familiar, and I had to go back and find out that they weren't actually the same people. Uh, grade D minus. You know, Brad, we uh, originally saw Bridget O'Reilly. Where? And uh, Mantlo's Cloak and Dagger. Get out of here, yeah. really? Yeah. I'll be here. Okay, boys. We're wrapping up the podcast. Let's go around the horn. Uh, Zach, give me your grades. What do you right. got? Scarlet Spider's two. Got a B. Spider-Verse okay. uh, team up two and three? Uh, Spider-Verse team up two. Uh, it was a B and a A. Okay, you also had Miles Morales seven and eight. Uh, seven, yeah, uh, both uh, a B minus and a uh, A. Okay, and Mike, what did you have? Okay, for Axis number eight, I had a D minus. Uh, Hobgoblin, Axis Hobgoblin, I think I had a B plus. Um, and for both uh, Spider Woman number two, and uh, well, no, no, not for both, both Spider. No, just for Spider Woman number two, I had a C plus. And for the Spider Man Annual number one, I had a C. All right, George, what did you have? Spider Man twenty ninety nine number seven got a B. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy number twenty two got a C, and Spider Man. And X-Men number one got an F. Got an F, you. <laughs> and by the way, I, I split up on my Spider-Verse team up. Uh, mm-hmm. Number three had a um, uh, C and a C. All right, I had Carnage Axis number three, C+. 
Uh, All New X-Men, number 34, got a C. Inhuman, number 8, got a B. Captain America and the Avengers, number 3, got a B-. minus. All New Ultimates, number 10, got a D. And All New Ultimates, number 11, got a D-. minus. That was all. Do we have an A in this? Movie? I don't think we do, actually. We I don't. Gave, no, I, I gave, don't think I we gave, have. I gave uh, the first story of uh, number two, the uh, cartoon story. That was an A. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. You, oh, yeah. yeah, that was that was that actually was, the best that one. Show of, one half of a book. It's an A this month. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> that was an amazing, literally, lot of books. Thank you, boys, for plowing no through problem. that with me. Yep. I will be a My wife's going to me now. This is my last episode on, on, on uh, Crawl Space because my wife's going to come. <laughs> Welcome back and goodbye, Zach. <laughs> uh.